0: Welcome to R&Co Talk Radio, where beauty icons and influencers, thought leaders, salon owners, trendsetters,
1: and more take the spotlight. R&Co Talk Radio.
0: Welcome to R&Co Talk Radio. This is Allison here with Episode 2 of Season 1, and I'm here with Dan and Tev. Say hi, guys.
1: Hi. Hi, everyone.
0: So episode one was great you know we talked a lot about coronavirus and how it's impacting the beauty industry so Tev we talked this morning will you share with everyone a little bit about our call and why you thought it was a good idea that we jump on right away for episode two
2: Yeah, I feel like episode one, we kind of just opened up the box of, oh, there's this thing called coronavirus and and here's things you can do in your salon to mitigate some of the client's fears and and make it a little bit of a safer environment. But it dawned on me that the biggest piece of this that we should address is the fear part, because fear is a very natural reaction. And um, I wanted to kind of break that apart and maybe talk about some tips to help people work through the fear part, because the reality is there's the fact And then there's the whole story that everybody surrounds around it. And a lot of time, the story that you surround around it is full of fear and doesn't really help you. So we have a
0: great broadcast for everybody today. Thank you to everybody for listening and for the comments that we've been hearing related to feedback. Later in the show, we're going to hear from Corey Lieber, who is the owner of Chicagoland CPR and a fire department designated infection control officer. And he's gonna give everybody some tips for people like hairdressers who who can't work from home and a little bit more about what they can do to prepare and prevent.
2: Yeah, I was gonna ask Tev, how do you deal with anxiety and fear? I would love to just go backwards for a second and explain where it actually comes from because fear is actually a tool and a mechanism that humans have embedded in them for millions of years. It's kind of this uh, fight or flight thing. I always like to think of it like it's outdated software. So there's this genetic DNA code that we all have, but we've evolved, and we've evolved a lot in the last – we'll put it this way. Ten years ago, you didn't have social. You had computers and you had email, but you didn't have social media. And if you go 100 years behind that, you didn't have electricity. And if you went 1,000 years behind that, you were in the Stone Ages. Yet we've evolved over millions of years. So if you think of the journey for the last millions of years – This fight or flight thing was very useful for us because if there was a lion, you would see the lion and it would make all kinds of endorphins and the endorphins would flow into your body in case you get cut so you feel good and you can push through it. You would get all kinds of other chemicals that flow into your body to give you unbelievable amounts of energy and your stomach would shrink so you don't eat because that's something you don't need when you're a fight or flight. Your legs get blood flow into them. All these incredible things that you don't even think about that automatically happen because of the amazing design of a human And all of a sudden now, in the last 100 years, things have changed a lot. So I don't think that the body has adapted to the speed that we've adapted as humans, and I think that's where the problem comes in. Today, with social media, you know if your best friend is going to the toilet within one second. You know everything about everything. And what that does, the positive, is that you're in the know to the very second of what's going on everywhere and everything. The negative part is you're using your old embedded human software which is the spider flight syndrome that's kicking in. And the problem is you're hearing a lot about a lot more stuff than you would have normally heard about before. As a good example, you'll be at your salon and every client that comes in, the front desk, the staff, everybody's talking about coronavirus. And then on the way home, you'll have the radio on your car or listen to a podcast. And what do they talk about coronavirus? And then you get into your living room and you put on CNN or any news channel. And what do you hear about coronavirus? And then you get a news flash on your phone and a bing that says, WHO declares a pandemic. All of these bits of information are actually stimulating that fight or flight because it's still in- inside of you and it hasn't adapted to the plethora of information that's being pushed forward now. So one of the things you can actually do is learn to to control it. The virus part is actually a small part of what this is. It's the fear and the concern that's all surrounding it that really makes it bad. Because the real reality, according to the WHO, if you do get it and you're in 70% that gets it, 2% of that 70% will die. And so if you flip the math around, what that really means is, If you're in the 70% of people that get it in the planet, which is a high number, 98% of the time, you're going to be fine and you're going to live. So that math normally would not make you go crazy, freak out, and jump off of a ledge. But it's because we're so used to getting pummeled with information all the time. You're hearing it in little bits and pieces all the time. Each time you hear it, it's like seeing that lion in the room, even though it's nowhere near as dangerous as the lion. The other part of fear is that when you trigger this fight or flight, your body's really not designed to be in a state of fight or flight, right? You're you're living in the wild and a a lion rolls up at you. That should not be happening every day. If it is, you're not going to live long. So the problem is that now you're getting this fight or flight thing kicking at you all the time. So this adrenaline and everything, it starts to exhaust your immune system and your entire body. So it's actually the worst thing that can happen. So what's really important is to identify that you're getting this fight or flight thing and it's hitting you and there are things you can do.
1: I think it's on point that the more information we have, sometimes it actually creates stress and anxiety. And I think part of the problem is knowing which information is fact versus which information is fiction. I tend to find that the more I read about something, it almost tends to calm me down because at least I have the information, and I'm armed with the facts. So one of the things I would encourage is to go to sites like the CDC and the WHO and follow them on Instagram and at least have facts coming in. So that way you're armed with statistics like what you were talking about, Tev, in terms of the real kind of contagion of, uh, of this situation. Yeah,
2: I mean, Dan, one of the first things I would tell people to do is flip around the numbers when they tell you. It's a simple thing when they list a death rate of 2% percentage-wise of people that get it that are going to die. I just flip it around. I'm like, oh great, well 98% are going to survive. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they told people 98% of the people that get this virus survive, I'm telling you that alone would change the way that people's fight or flight kick in.
0: And the way that the information is distributed on social, it, you almost think you're bound to the ER if you do get this, but the reality is If you have the right products, the right tools, the right medications, everything and information at home, not everything is a hospital case. I'm connected with some people in Italy and I follow them on social and they're providing shopping lists for what they're going through and how they're able to treat symptoms. Um, You know, everybody's buying toilet paper, but people aren't buying the things that can actually help you if you get coronavirus.
2: And, and we're all susceptible to it. I was watching a show the other day and they had the psychologist of retail. And it, it was really, really interesting to me because I wanted to know what is it that drove me to go out and buy, I think I probably have 700 rolls of toilet paper. So what was interesting was people feel like they have to do something to get control of the situation. When they're saying that you're going to potentially be at home for seven days, one of the things you you can do is actually just get up and go and, you know, take care of one of the problems. So if you're going to be at home for seven days, let's make sure we don't run out of toilet paper. But what happens is because that's the one mission you're on to solve one tiny little problem of a lot of potential problems, You overdo it because on the way to pick up your Walmart, you keep reading and getting texts and hearing more. And your cousins call you and say, oh, my gosh, can you believe it's happening over here? They're closing a school down. And by the time you get to Walmart, you've got such a fever pitch thing that your one mission you're working on, you crush it. You crush the mission. But the mission really only needed probably one case of toilet paper. But that was the best you could do to make it feel like you're in control. So a lot of fear stems from when you are not in control. And that's kind of one of the things that triggers this fight or flight thing now, which means you could be in the state of it all the time, which is super unhealthy for you. To get started, I think that there's probably five things that I would recommend doing. And I think that these five things are kind of battle tested and they work really, really well. So the first one is to actually sit with the fear because what most people do when they're really feeling scared of something, To Dan's point, they'll sometimes immerse themselves in information, and that can be really good if you're the type of person that can take the information and break down the numbers and say, okay, actually, a 98% live versus 2% die. So if you're on that side, great. So that's immersing yourself in the information. But what I find is actually even more helpful than that is to actually confront the fear. So you sit down with the fear, and for two or three minutes at a time, you just kind of breathe in really deeply and say, all right, this is really scary but it's okay, and I'm not gonna die tomorrow, and things are gonna be okay. And you actually just breathe and talk yourself through it. You'll be so surprised, it sounds really like uh, corny, but that's part of training yourself out of this fight or flight kick, because once it kicks on, it's a process. It's like I said, it's an outdated operating system. So you wanna start to calm yourself down instead of going there. So when you feel yourself starting to go into there, you literally just take deep breaths. Instead of saying, "It's, it's okay, everything's gonna be fine, I kinda say to myself, Safe and smooth, safe and smooth. I just keep saying it over and over again. You will be so surprised. It's almost like a mantra. It just calms you down. So that's I a really that. simple, that's a really simplistic one. If you're scared of flying on takeoff and landing, I just sit there and I go, safe and smooth, safe and smooth. And once you can find your words that calm you that you say over and over, over time you do the exact opposite. Of this fight and flight turn on, you can actually turn off fight and flight because you've practiced doing this. But you gotta, you know, it's like like anything, you gotta practice doing this. So you can absolutely turn off this fight and flight mechanism by breathing and kind of talking yourself down. But it takes a little bit of focus.
0: I completely I agree with a,
1: that. <laughs> I think that's actually one of the amazing things about mantra. It's uh, mantras. It's almost less about what you say. It's about the act of breathing in and breathing out in a calm fashion that I think helps ground the
2: body. Does anyone know what the mantra actually means? Nobody, maybe except for like a guru. Nobody knows what all those words mean when they go to yoga class. I have no idea what those words mean, and I've been doing yoga my whole life. It's just making up your own mantra with words that actually calm you. This is a technique everyone can do, and the reality is it's really the basis of yoga, so you're spot on on that, Dan.
0: I was in a psychology class once, and the professor said that you know, raise your hand if you've ever had a cigarette and it made you feel better. It's, it's maybe not even so much about the cigarette, but it's the concentrated breathing in and out.
1: So you're telling me cigarettes are healthy for me? (laughs) Yes, I don't know if
0: we'd go on the record saying that, but if you could practice some concentrated breathing in and out, you know, on the, I watched an episode of Girls once and Lena Dunham looked in the mirror when she was panicking and said, you are fine and good, you are fine and good, you are fine and good. And I found myself one time repeating that phrase and it truly did calm me down. It just gave me some gravity and that's what I needed in that moment.
2: So mantras are just an advanced version of us. Instead of us saying it's okay, it's okay, everything's going to be fine, a mantra is actually a sound that vibrates a different energy zone in your body, which they call mantras. So just think of that as super advanced. But you don't need that. To get rid of fear, you just have to say to yourself, like, what do I do? Safe and smooth, safe and smooth. And you say it a few times, breathe in for a minute or two, and believe it or not, the fear just disappears. So it's a fantastic tool. So my second tool is you write down things that you're grateful for and um, people that you're grateful for. When there's a ton of fear coming in, if I sit down and I just kind of say, I'm grateful for my children, if I'm grateful for my business partners. When you start thinking of what you're grateful for, you ever hear that thing where you can't chew gum and what's the thing? There's like you can't some...
0: tap your head and rub your belly at the same yeah, time. Yeah,
2: there's like a million of these things where it's basically saying you can't do two things at the same time. There's actually a lot of truth to that in that it's very difficult to focus on being grateful and in, it, it kind of turns off the fear receptors. Because your your brain can kind of only handle one task at a time. Yeah. So when you start to think of things that you're grateful for, which is an easy thing because it should come to everyone naturally, when you turn on the what you're grateful for, it automatically it's like a light switch. The lights either on or off. It turns off the what I'm fearful for. A simple little thing like that can actually be a goldmine of turning off the fear factor.
0: Yeah, if your baby is ever, you know, in a tantrum or won't stop crying, you're supposed to rock, shush and pat them because they're unable to have those receptors all going at the same time.
2: Exactly. I think
1: a part of that being grateful is also there's an element of being a nurturer during these times. When you think about taking care of others, it also lends an element of calm. So, to have I think similar to when you order PRL for everyone who works at R&Co and LBP and put it on their desk you felt like you were in control of helping others. I exactly. This is 100%. actually a great time to create community and lend a hand. People Absolutely. laugh at me for how people laugh at me for how many bottles of water and cans I have in my apartment. And I think to myself, it's not just for my family; it's for when the friends I have that I know don't plan for anything come over in a panic. I know I can take care of them.
2: I totally agree. Focusing on just about anything but the fear is 90 percent of how you can get away from the fear you know things are just getting a lot more real well i gotta tell you yesterday i focused on all right let me make sure i have lots of food and let me go and buy stuff and stack them on a shelf so the act of doing something made me feel like i have control of the situation took away a lot of the fear and then i did not listen to the news but i gotta tell you i had a great day it was it was one of the few days where it just put everything to the side so i think you can actually control to a degree some of the mechanisms that are bringing you all this information all the time i don't think it's a bad thing to talk about what's going on with the virus but you don't want to get into the fear and stimulate it in other people so you have to be a little bit aware of that so when you're talking to people if you know if you, if you can actually correct them and say you know well remember 98 of the people live you you you'll start to get this incredible effect you're actually helping people but talking through this with people is incredibly important it kind of is my next point which is is journaling and Dan, this one you'll enjoy because this comes back for this like old school when we used to talk about the and teach the Shackleton explorer uh, stuff. And Alison, I don't know if you ever came to one of those classes. We taught this class, uh, Shackleton, about an explorer and he, all the adversity that he had gone through in Antarctica and trapped for three years. And what was amazing is that whole journey was chronicled from beginning to end. And they even had a photographer on it because exploring the world was like the biggest thing that could happen. It was bigger than anything. But they chronicled this this guy and his team. And what they really found in the end, it came down to some very um, disciplined techniques that he deployed. And a lot of them were specifically um, geared at how to get away from fear. And the one that I always took away that I found incredibly helpful was keeping a journal and writing in your journal. And for salon owners, you know, it's very hard, just like it was for Ernest Shackleton who had 28 people on this expedition that he felt like his, their life was in his hands. For salon owners, you may feel like you have a lot of lives in your hand from a well welfare and well-being and keeping the salon going. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with it. And what's scary is, you know, you can't just go down into your break room and say, you know, I'm really stressed guys, because if this uh, virus thing keeps up and we don't keep working for the next two months, I don't know how I'm going to pay for the salon, and everyone could lose their jobs. I would not recommend. That's not good leadership, right? I wouldn't definitely would not do that. But what he used to do is he used to, at the, in the very beginning, he would write it in a journal and just write his thought, his thoughts that were scaring him and the fears he had. He would just write it down. And by just writing it down, there's something magical that happened where at least he didn't put it onto other people. He put it into this book, and the book held the anxiety, if you think of it that way. He then created, and this was a really important part, his directive committee. And the directive committee could be anyone. It could be your if you're married, it could be your husband, or your wife, your significant other. It doesn't matter. you it could be a family member, your father, your mother, cousin, brother, it could be your best friend. it could be your partner at work. But he creates a directive committee with two or three people out of the twenty eight that were people he really respected, and in those two or three people is who he talked about the fears that he wrote down in the journal. And that process of kind of having levels, so the minute something happens that freaked him out, he wrote it in the journal. He always kept the journal with him. Then he went to his directive committee, and then after the directive committee, by the next step, he was ready to talk to his staff and his crew, but now he gave them facts, and now he gave them great leadership on how they were going to fix things and overcome stuff
0: you know i think people get overwhelmed with the idea of journaling and what that means but it doesn't mean pen to paper always you can pull out your iphone and open the notes section you can have a running word doc from your computer it doesn't have to be handwritten but anything you can do to kind of vent is going to be helpful
2: yeah i do it on notes on the iphone i use that all the time and i just have one section in there there's just for like i call bad stuff the one thing i was really freaked out about was when they were like they went from two weeks to four weeks for food on hand. I was like, whoa, this is bad. And yeah, you know, it, it, it sounds stupid because you're writing it to yourself, but it doesn't because the next step is then you talk about it a little bit more rationally with someone else. And, you know, you're in this case, my wife. And then, you know, the next step is, yeah, she's like, of course, if they say you need four weeks, you definitely, you should get six weeks. And then you don't feel like a crazy person running to the Walmart getting six weeks of food because your directive committee and you have talked about it, looked at it from a few angles and now it makes sense. The fourth one, which is a super important as well, exercise. I was Um, so
0: afraid this was going to be one of your tips.
2: It was a calm day. I felt good. And then I watched the news like I told you about. And I felt like that pressure coming back. I was like, oh, God, the world is spiraling. This is terrible. And I was like, you know what? Stop. And I walked over, went on the treadmill, and I walked. And of course, you can run. You can do anything. But I just walked. And I ended up walking for six miles. So it was like an hour and 20 minutes. First of all, it's probably helping me health-wise a ton. More importantly, it burned out that negative energy.
0: That's probably a lot better than the McFlurry with M&Ms that I have sitting next to me that I can't wait to dive into after <laughs> our call. But we well, all do self-care in different ways.
2: Well, you could definitely do both. That would be good. One kind of offsets the other. <laughs> when, when
0: you're on the treadmill. You, right. Like, well, well no, maybe just
2: <laughs> or do the McFlurry, then the treadmill or vice versa, one at a time. And then the last point is using humor to kind of get rid of your worst fears. Humor is the most powerful tool in all of our repertoires to push fear out of the way. And what Shackleton did that was really clever is this guy would celebrate just about everything, but there were real events that everyone would get prepared for and sit down, not like they had dinners and feasts, They were eating what a little bit of penguin would go around and drops of milk, literally drops. They kept celebrating everything. So Shackleton's mastery came in the fact that he was constantly looking for things to celebrate. So how can you apply that in this coronavirus world? There's a lot of ways you can say, all right, well, we're one month. We haven't got the virus yet. Two months. We haven't got the virus yet. One week. We've stayed at home and we're happy and we are alive. And you know what? The world didn't end and make a calendar and actually tick boxes and say we're, we're tracking along. And I think. When you look at things from that perspective, momentum starts to come on your side, and then you feel fantastic, and fear just starts to melt away. And if you can deploy these mechanisms to – they become your skill, you really have a great chance of actually being a lot happier and hopefully surviving.
1: You know, it's funny. We actually had Gilbert Gottfried Rice uh, joke for the podcast yeah, perfect. so this
0: is going to be where we drop that in. Um, Dan had the genius idea of let's have a joke in every podcast. And so we sent out a bunch of cameos. And uh, Gilbert Gottfried got back to us within like 20 minutes. So he's going to be our first joke on the podcast.
2: Wait, so I just want to make sure I understand this. So you're telling me Gilbert Gottfried is doing jokes for our podcast?
0: Well, he did one. It was It's about a minute and a half. And that is it's the most ridiculous. random thing I've
2: ever heard. Okay. Yeah,
0: but we're going to drop it in. We got a bunch of comedians to submit their hair jokes. They're all hair jokes. So oh, that's cute. clever.
1: That's really Yeah, cool. that
0: was damn really cool.
1: If any of our listeners have a hair joke they'd like to submit, please DM myself or Tev or Allison, and we'll have you on the podcast.
3: A man's in a barber shop. He says to the barber, he says, no matter what kind of razor I use, I can't get a totally smooth shape. The barber says, I've got a little trick for you. He hands him a little wooden ball. And he says, OK, you see this wooden ball? Uh, before you say it, you shove it into your mouth. Over your gums and uh, between your lip, and you shove it in there, and it pushes your cheek out, and then you shave. And then you push it more in front, and you get to shave uh, on the lip under your nose, and then you do it the same thing with the bottom teeth. Just keep rolling it around uh, over the gums and inside of your mouth. And uh, so he says, all right, uh, I'll try it. He comes back a week later to the barber he says, I can't I've been using this for a week. I've been getting the smoothest shaves I've ever had in my life. Oh look, Barber. Can can I borrow it for just one more night? And the barber says, sure, no problem. And the guy says, my only thing I worry about is it's really small. What happens if I accidentally swallow it? And the barber says, oh, no problem. Wait till the next morning and you'll poop it out and return it to me like all my other customers do.
1: Rocking the
4: are in cold
0: talk radio. So hairdressers are amazing nurturers, to Dan's point, but not always incredible at taking care of themselves. So we're gonna throw it over to Corey Lieber, who is the owner of Chicagoland CPR and a fire department designated infection control officer. So let's take it away, Corey.
4: One of the main outlets that I'll use to gather information that I'm giving to my first responders at my fire department our Center for Disease Control. The Center for Disease Control is constantly updating their website uh, statistics, specifically with the coronavirus, as well as other um, other diseases and viruses that are out there. As well as your local state Department of Public Health will will also give some pretty good statistics on what's going on in your area. If you care to to take a look at the CDC's website, they can give you some pretty updated numbers on your neighborhood and your state on on what kind of numbers um, you're dealing with for people who have contracted coronavirus as well as people who have recovered from coronavirus.
0: I love that. You didn't direct people to Facebook for information.
4: Yeah, that's, that's one of our biggest issues that we've been dealing with as first responders is we'll get a, a lot of people contacting EMS or contacting 911 with concerns that they saw an article Um, On Instagram, that was given us, that was giving them a little bit different information than the information that we're getting.
0: So, some of the advice that you've mentioned is surface disinfectants, looking to hot spots like door handles, drawer handles, the armrests on chairs. If you were to develop a shopping list for people toilet paper wouldn't be at the top of it. What would you put on that shopping list?
4: I would definitely, again, make sure that you guys have enough soap around the house, just day-to-day operating. Again, these surface disinfectants that kill viruses are a good thing to have, making sure that all areas are wiped clean. Again, in a salon, maybe a keyboard that takes clients' information or a break room share, but these are still areas that we, if we have more than one person touching an area, I would definitely take a look at cleaning them down. But besides that, <laughs> water and toilet paper are not, uh, not going to be the the primary, the primary fight against coronavirus.
0: All right, Corey, before we sign off, can you tell people where they can continue the learning? You have your own podcast, right?
4: Yeah, myself and a couple of friends, we started a podcast called Chicago's Bravest Stories where we like to talk to other first responders in the area around the world, hopefully one day, talk about their stories. But besides that, Alison, like I said, if you're concerned or want to have more information on, on the novel coronavirus, they would reference the Center for Disease Control's website, as well as their local state's Department of Public Health website.
0: Corey, thank you so much for the time today. Please be safe out there. So Tev, um, if I've got this right, the five things that you recommend for people to really deal with this anxiety and start to cope, number one, sit with the fear and start to confront those fears. Two, write down things that you're grateful for. Three, journaling. Four, exercise. And five, use some humor to get rid of those worst fears.
2: Yeah. And look for moments to celebrate rather than everything be moments to panic.
0: And to get back to Dan's original question, how are you personally dealing with, where are you at in the process right now?
2: I feel like I'm in a good space. I've done everything that I can do for my family and we've got the right amount of food. Obviously, as I mentioned, enough toilet paper for most of uh, Florida, <laughs> Florida State. And, and I feel like I'm now prepped And now my job is to really make sure that my kids uh, you know have a have a great time through the process and that they laugh a lot and play games and they're going to do online schooling which a lot of uh, families are going to go through now so that's on that side from a business perspective we have remote working in place we've trained as we talked about in the last podcast and it's really about assisting salons now in any way that we can and be positive i was watching the news um, last night where they showed literally the streets of italy everybody was just singing in their condos on the balconies. That's kind of amazing to see globally how different cultures handle it. And, you know, from what I've seen in China, just everyone's locked up inside. But in Italy, they were all on their balconies singing national anthems and songs, and people seem to have a really great attitude about it. So I think attitude's everything. I think it's probably the thing that defines winning in the end.
1: It's funny, I actually started following this uh, Instagram page called Coronavirus Good News. Like the Italians singing on their balconies. And it actually does provide a moment of levity because you realize that although the world is going a little bit crazy, there still is humor and laughter in the world. And I think that's what gets you through these moments. I also think adding a little bit of uh, normalcy to everyone's life is very helpful in calming things, Allison. So here in Miami, all the schools are closed. And I know that Tev's kids are staying at home and my daughter is staying at home. And one of the things we're doing is everyone's got to wake up, take a shower, brush their teeth, put on clothes, and actually sit down at a desk and either work from home or do school from home. This is just a fun adventure. And I think part of uh, these challenging times is make to make things fun. You know, when a hurricane's about to hit Miami, I know Tev gets in the car and goes to Disneyland. Because, yeah every year because why not go to disneyland instead of setting it sitting in some motel Eight on the highway worrying about what's going on at home you may as well have fun
2: dan disneyland is completely jack i mean they've got generators they're they're prepared for stuff disneyland closed
1: this week which blew my mind yeah because disneyland stays open for everything
0: and speaking about brands you know that's a great way to end today's show with some positivity you know we're hearing about brands that are doing the right thing today we were reading about xfinity and you know they're speeding up people's internet who traditionally don't have a high-speed package knowing that people are working from home you can actually say the word education into your remote and educational programming will pop up you know for kids at home and if they don't have learning on demand it it, it is a feel-good story
1: that's very cool i have to tell you There's also so much you can download now. My TV now has Amazon Prime, Hulu, Disney Plus, Amazon, Apple One. I could stay at home for years and never be bored.
0: Yep, no longer Netflix and chill, it's Netflix and quarantine. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. Thank you so much to all of our listeners and a special thank you to Corey Lieber for the great information. If you like this podcast, please make sure you share it and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.
2: Thanks, Thanks everyone. Bye, everyone.
1: When you need good hair, there's a place to go. R&Code Talk Radio.